0: This week, we talk about balancing a full-time job with running a startup, and a bunch of other stuff. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a
1: software-enabled services company called LegUp
0: Health. All right, Rick. So uh, last week, we were talking about your profit-sharing agreement. I, I just want to jump right in. Tell me about it. How are things going? Going well. Um, so,
1: I basically uh, copied and pasted the Less Annoying CRM agreement <laughs> and made slight edits and called it Leg Up Health's Compensation Agreement. Um, thank you so much for sharing um, the details. If you didn't tune into last episode, basically, Tyler and I talked about how I could take what um, has worked at Less Annoying CRM. And apply it like a belt, specifically with regard to offering um, fake equity, uh, for lack of a better word, um, to employees that acts like equity from a profit sharing standpoint and converts to equity in the event of an acqu- acquisition, but doesn't actually isn't actually equity. Um, so, for example, if an employee leaves, um, it they, they lose it um, over time. But yeah, I, I wrote it all out, um, condensed what you did, made a few edits to suit my needs, um, rewrote. So, there are kind of two documents. One is what I would call like our compensation overview, and it's like how we think about compensation. One thing I really liked was how you broke your document up into four stages, um, where it's like, you know, stage one is, you know, just like custom agreements with each partner to make Mm -hmm. them happy. Uh, Stage two was getting to like a, say, everyone to the same base amount. Uh, and then stage three is where like the first phase of profit sharing starts. Um, I mimicked that uh, those four stages um, just changed the numbers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like one thing, it just so happened that right after we had that episode, Nathan Berry, who is the founder and CEO of ConvertKit, tweeted about his profit sharing and compensation Yeah, I saw model. that. So I took some stuff from him, took some stuff from what you had. One thing that I really liked about um, his philosophy, and I use this to sort of guide The philosophy of our compensation overview is that there's sort of three outcomes that you want employees to be happy with. Like, you know, if if it's a downside scenario and we fail, we want people to feel like I want JD, my partner, and any other partners and employees we bring on to feel they were compensated fairly and like yeah, it wasn't unfair. In a modest success scenario, we want people to basically be able to build their wealth, right? Like they're not like just scraping by. In a Windfall, like supercharged scenario. We want people to experience financial windfall, and so that's how I designed the stages. Was basically, phase one is custom agreements, and if we fail during this fa- this phase, you're not going to be like mad about it. Um, we'll take it one year at a time. Yeah, you got
0: paid something, and maybe wasn't your market rate, but you didn't get totally screwed over.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, and then the upside potential is what you, you know, was part of your compensation. Um, stage two, where you're happy with your compensation. It's a base. We all make the same thing. Um, and you're able to build a little bit of wealth, but it's not like like life-changing. Um, stage three is sort of like, oh, wow, now you're really able to invest, you know, and proactively in, in wealth building. Um, and stage four is like, oh, okay, this is like, really, this is exciting yeah. type of money. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um- so you had this conversation with JD, I'm not sure what all you can share, but like uh are things moving along?
1: Yeah, we ha in principal agreement. So um I hope I'm not jumping again here, but like it's just basically onboarding at this point um and signing the share agreement. So there's a separate um document that is more formal in nature. It's more of a contract that actually uh grants I don't want to call it phantom, but like phantom equity, um, a number of shares to JD. um, And uh, so he, you know, he's got to review that and sign it. Um, But other than that, it's just onboarding him March 1st as a W2 employee versus a 1099
0: contractor. And he's full time. Wow. That's awesome. That have you put any thought into, so one thing I do that's a little weird is like, everybody's getting paid W2, including me. Like I could in theory pay myself and Bracken, my co-founder, we could pay ourselves like distributions and then the other partners could get w2 income but like i feel like that was just messy because like taxes like should then i'm paying lower taxes than other people so is that fair um, have you put any thought into that
1: yeah um so we are uh the, the employees are employed at the leg up ventures level um which is a c corporation so there's very there's there's minimal benefit and paying dividends, paying myself as a non-W2 employee. In fact, it's actually, there are tax advantages to me being a W2 employee too. So Mm. the plan is for us partners to be W2 and me to be W2, primarily because then we can do things like tax-free benefits, which technically I think because you're an I I think less annoying CRM is an LLC. Um, Run an see
0: taxed as I always mix up C and S corp, but taxed as one of the corporations. Probably
1: an S Corp. And okay. what that means is that you're technically self employed on your tax returns, which means that you can't take advantage of some of the um you know employee like uh benefits.
0: Okay. You, yeah.
1: I, if you say like self so. insurance, <laughs> I don't think it's tax deductible at the corporate level, is it? I think so. Oh, it is okay.
0: Or if it's not, I, no one ever told me.
1: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's like weird laws like related to two percent shareholders uh, you know, of LLCs and S corps um, that affect taxability of benefits. Uh, I know this because of okay. my previous comp- like life, but. Um, it's not a big deal.
0: It's, but yeah, it's, I mean, the more people you have, the less it matters if like one person's healthcare is taxed. So it's possible we're paying taxes on it and I don't even care. You know, I don't well, know. You get
1: to rededuct it at the end of it it's a wash for you, but okay. it just happens differently. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, long story short, yes, W2, I'm going to be a W2 employee um, and pay myself. Like the, the baseline, um, the stage two is getting all partners to 150K in salary, cool. um, annual salary and, The assumption is that it's not written and you know spelled out but it's the assumption that would be w2 salary
0: gotcha cool well that's exciting um any other like updates on that front or anything worth discussing
1: i'm just excited to get this done and uh i didn't you know it felt like i didn't get anything done for the last six to eight weeks that i was working on this but you know one of my things in my newsletter this week was you know, there's different types of failure. Um, some failure is reversible, some's not. not. Um, if it's reversible, go fast. If it's not, go slow. And this is one of those things that like I had to get right because yeah. if, I, if I laid the wrong foundation here, it could come back to bite me. So I went slow. So it feels like I didn't make a lot of progress over the last eight weeks. But now that this is done, once JD's on board, onboarded, paperwork's done, I can start focusing on helping him move the business forward.
0: Yeah, well, in getting him full-time, like... It doesn't matter what happens with your time. You're not because you have a different full time job. Like your time's kind of meaningless here compared to his. I feel like
1: on a relative basis, yes. But you know, you still like you still want to contribute meaningfully yeah. to the short term goals. And I feel like I've been like not, if anything, I've been distracting from the short term goals. <laughs> but like you know, at the, but, I hear you. you. know, it's it's set up the long term play. Yeah. So so hopefully um, you
0: can you can get back into it pretty soon though. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, we'll, but I'll I'll hold my congrats until it's official. But uh, sounds like uh, there'll
1: be an order. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. Thank you very much for your help. Like if anyone wants to see what I did, um I can get JD's deal, you know, agreement. It's it's general for our company, so I I think I'm okay sharing it. Um but uh, you know, full, if you if you read it, just know that basically Tyler wrote it and then I copied it. Um <laughs> so no, uh, really I'm actually
0: yeah. glad you you are doing this cuz I've had a couple people I've been in like Twitter conversations with people where I was like, "Oh, I had a profit sharing agreement." And then people will DM me and be like, "Can I see it?" And my problem is I'm like, it's it's really outdated and I don't think it was like, I'm sure you went through it and fixed some things. And so I felt a little uncomfortable sharing it. So now I can just say, be like, go talk to Rick and you'll get (laughs) an actual good copy of (laughs) what I did. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. There (laughs) were some like, there were some little issues in the, in the employee share agreement that were like, Ooh, this is weird. um, Yeah. Which is why I was
0: uncomfortable sharing it with strangers. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: did you pay, like you paid attorneys for that?
0: Uh, not, (laughs) Did I share with you the one that was like a Word document? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, We paid attorneys for that. It's also... It had a bunch of like math... Or not a bunch. It had like a mathematical formula in it where like the characters... Like it's some ASCII thing that didn't translate to the new version of Word or something. So you can't even read what the formula is. Yep. Yeah.
1: I'll I'll share what I... Uh it'd be, you know, before I put make it public, can I share everything with you just to make sure I didn't screw anything up drastically? And then uh so yeah, I'm, not gonna, can, I'm happy to make this public.
0: I'm not gonna know, know the difference, but yes, I'm happy to review it. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, about
1: you? What's going on with you?
0: Yeah, I'm um I'm trying a new routine. Uh so in our kind of end of year recap thing, I said that one of my focuses for this year is gonna be um more design work. And that really means more deep work. Like I've been on a manager's schedule for a long time. I kind of said last year, I was more like a nine to five schedule. So I'm trying to like play around with ways to give myself the space to do deep work. And so this happened accidentally, but now I'm going to try to formalize it. So two weeks ago, I just coincidentally had a lot of free time and I got a lot of design work done and it was great. Um, Then last week, because I got so much deep work done the week before, but I'd kind of let a few little admin tasks pile up on my plate. I was like, I'm not going to do any deep work this week. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna end the week with a clean slate. That's my goal, and I, I mean, I still have things on my list, but all the stuff I, that's time sensitive that I cared about was great. and so coming into this week, I'm just like, I'm gonna close my task list, not worry about it. like if something time sensitive comes in, I'll deal with it, but I'm gonna give myself more time for another deep work week. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I'm gonna try to alternate like this. I think it could work out well. How's the first day of this week going? Uh oh, I wish you hadn't asked that. not great. <laughs> Uh, just enough little things did come up today, but um, I f- I, even aside from like, did I get work done? The answer is no, but I feel less pressure and I feel like I have the freedom to like go into tomorrow ready to do this stuff.
1: And more importantly, if you do get in the zone, you can stay in it for the rest of the week, which yeah. is the key
0: part. Exactly. No. Yeah. There's nothing I need to do where I'm like feeling guilty, like, oh, I really need to do that thing. So... Uh, Yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I'm giving it a shot. Um, We also, this like doesn't have much to do with me, but it makes me feel good. We kind of had like a shipping spree, like the developers just, you know, we've got whatever, five developers working on features and stuff. And sometimes just coincidentally, multiple cool things get done all at the same time. And we just had over the last two weeks, some pretty cool stuff got done um, on the product. And man, it just just feels great.
1: Do you like, can you share what they did? Like, is it significant?
0: Yeah. Um, so one of them, th- these are all like boring. We make a pretty boring product, but like, <laughs> so pipeline permissions, which is, oh. we have pipelines, uh, like leads, or tr- tr- just tracking different processes. Previously, we you could control what contacts another user could see. So like one sales rep couldn't see another sales rep's leads, but everybody at the company could see the lead pipeline and what the statuses were and what the custom fields were. So if, for bigger accounts, we had some requests that are like the the management level wants like a pipeline for like performance reviews or something like that with employees. And they don't want it's it's not that they don't want people to see the data. They don't even want people to see that the pipeline exists in the first place. So uh, that's probably the biggest one we added. And that was for this big enterprise client we have.
1: Interesting. Did you just say that customers are using your CRM to track performance reviews for their employees?
0: I don't know if that's quite it, but so so. let me give a more concrete one or a more correct one. Um, recruiting. We actually, this this comes up with us internally. We use the CRM for recruiting, but once we hire someone, we don't want them to be able to go in and like look at uh, what everyone said about them. Now, this is arguably could be handled with the other type of permissions, but only the people that are involved with kind of recruiting decisions have access to the recruiting pipeline now.
1: Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Lever, the way Lever um, applicant, Lever is a ATS applicant tracking system, which is basically a CRM for recruiters and talent acquisition. Uh The way they handle this is they, when you add a user to Lever, you can link records to them that represent that, like that you don't want them to see. And so like, um, like when you add a user, it kind of like flags you and says, Hey, is this, did you hire this? Is this their like candidate record from when they were interviewing? And basically it hides that record yeah. you can add. You can add multiple if you want to. But
0: gotcha. Yeah. So I, I actually should probably learn more about. Uh, we get this request periodically, and I probably I should be better at saying what the use cases are. But it's mm. the the real ones are like management doesn't even want people to see that the process exists. Mm. Um. So I don't know. They want it. They want it
1: super <laughs> secret pipelines.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, just other stuff like little UI improvements. We added the ability to start contacts. So it's kind of like bookmarking your favorite contacts in the CRM. Just a handful of little things, but it really feels like progress is being made,
1: and these are things that people requested, which means that they're excited when they learn that this thing got done.
0: Yes, yes. all of these are definitely requests. And I want to move more towards not just doing customer requests because that's not like they don't have a strategic vision in mind with this. They're just like, mm. this is a feature I want. so my my goal is by the end of the year to be doing like roughly twenty five percent of our new projects will be, Responding to customer requests, um, and the seventy-five percent will be other stuff. Right now, it's more like seventy-five percent is customer requests. Um, This, yeah,
1: I'm going. I'm thinking this is a tangent. We haven't talked about your product roadmap in a long time, um, mostly because we just took a huge hiatus from the podcast. But yeah, the beginning of last year, I believe there was you were thinking about you had these new developer resources, and you were thinking about um, the roadmap in different. Starting to think about the roadmap in different ways. Um, How are you currently? Thinking about the roadmap, are you still like thinking like there's this kind of improvement of the existing product? There's product like growth. um, And then there's also like new products. Is that are those the buckets
0: you think in? Yeah. And then the fourth one is just like technical debt stuff Mm. like bug fixes. And sometimes you got to update your libraries and things like that. So, yeah, we have those four buckets and we haven't we've done very little product like growth. And what I would call strategic is strategy being like the new stuff. Um, so that's what I want more of. And mm. I kind of have like a roadmap for the next four to six quarters. Um, and that we're kind of the next couple quarters is still a lot of customer requests, but then it it moves on to the other stuff,
1: cool. man, that's um, that's fun. i I would you're 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 getting to the point now where it's like soup like a super f- creative. Uh, project, um, to think about like those other buckets. I, yeah, I'll, like when you, when you start getting clarity on those, it'd be really interesting to hear about what's getting prioritized and how that's affecting your design as well.
0: Yeah. I'd be happy to talk about it. I just always wonder, like, do people including you have enough context about the product to make sense of wh- what I like? I I'm happy to just, I have the whole roadmap. We shouldn't right now, but if some yeah. future, I, I think it's wanna... interesting.
1: I, 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 cause it, 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 it should drive like your, your, your personal goal is design work, right? Like, and the, that should drive a lot of how you're thinking about that goal. And then also like you've mentioned earlier, the podcast that you're shifting less away kind of marketing's going to happen and maybe it'll be incremental improvement, um, with, with some focus, but like the real leaps are going to come from product like growth. So I mean, that's, 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 I guess product like growth is where I'm most interested if I'm being honest. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, Maybe next week uh yeah. we can we can do a deeper dive into that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. All right, back to you. What's next on your list?
1: Um updates. Uh so uh, we JD's been um doing some outreach, uh cold outreach experience and having some initial success. So one of the things on my list before I took the Windfall gig was um I wanted to, I, I wanted to test reaching out cold to consumers in Utah that, you know, may or may not offer, may, may or may not buy their own health insurance and just seeing like what the response rate was for that. That's how I got a lot of the clients, like was actually warm networking, just getting introduced to people. Anyway, he started doing this and he's having some initial success and success in this particular instance, isn't necessarily getting a client or even getting someone to sign up for of Health. It's finding out whether or not they buy their own health insurance and mm-hmm. if they buy it through the marketplace. Um, and in his initial experiments, like we're talking low numbers, like in the hundreds, like low hundreds, he's already profiled uh, four or five people that have marketplace coverage. And so there's this sort of flat like motion of identifying people that are consumers, reaching out to them and then finding out if they are a qualified lead. And yeah. then that you know, if we can do that predictably, um, at, you know, at a fairly low cost, then there's this whole like, sort of marketing pipeline, lead pipeline being built, uh, for market, like once we figure out how to actually market these people, either to get them to you know make us their agent or, um, down the line, maybe it's in open enrollment, you know, help them through open enrollment in Q4. Um, it feels like we're making progress. So mm. anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's spam for lack of a better word, but, um, I wanted to tell you that cause it feels really good to be making progress on that front.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, my my common complaint about Less Annoying CRM's growth is that it's like we don't control it. And it seems like the classic SaaS, no, you're not exactly SaaS, but like recurring revenue growth model that is repeatable is sales. Like mm-hmm. the companies that can really control their growth are like, if we just double our sales team, we'll double our leads. And, you know, like it, that's how you get predictable growth. And so it's I, I'm it's an unsavory type of growth in some ways. Like you said, it's spam, but like I'm kind of jealous that it's working for you. What's
1: differentiating us? Um, we think is that we have a kind of a no sales policy on insurance. Like we don't want to be insurance salespeople.
0: Mm-hmm. But in
1: this particular instance, we're not selling. We're kind of doing yeah. market research ish, and then our, we're we're not selling insurance really. We're selling the service behind yeah, the insurance you. that yeah. we have, and so it's it's actually like it's almost it's 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 less slimy than it could be if we were trying to like push a particular health insurance product on people. Um, so anyway, yeah, but yeah, it's still like very, uh, it has
0: the like one-on-one outreach thing where if you had twice, if you had two JDs instead of one, you'd have twice as many leads coming in this, this yes, way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah,
1: exactly. Very controllable. And the
0: other update I have,
1: um, on the growth front is last week, or maybe the week before we talked about, um, We talked about uh, how we joined Pando Labs and it was a big investment for us, part of our association, Utah association strategy. We did join another Utah business association called the Utah Independent Business Association. Um... (laughs) or maybe the Utah Association of Independent Businesses. I'm not sure which one exactly, pardon me. Um, I should be a better <laughs> member, uh, but I will clarify that. And But we did join them, and the route we're taking with that association is a little bit different than what we took with Pando. Pando, we already had a, a, a strong client base of, you know, in the membership, and so we went straight to a partnership sponsorship level. Um, I think we're paying like $2,000 a year. And then on the United U- Utah Independent Business Association front, Where we became just members as an entity, Mm. so it's much less expensive. And then, you know, once we build up our membership base there, we can explore doing a a larger partnership.
0: So, members meaning like, what are you going to go like to networking events, or how how are you going to engage with that community?
1: Uh, To to be determined. um, With Pando, for example, we are sponsoring a Slack channel. Um, And so, for example, there's now a benefits Slack channel, and the Mm. um, you know it says benefits presented by Up Health. And so anyone anyway, that's a member of Panel Labs who has questions about benefits or health insurance can go in there and ask questions and we'll help them. That's uh, awesome. That's, that's one example. Um, another example is uh, there's a round table um, that's virtual um, in a couple of weeks that um, I've signed up for to attend with Pando. What's interesting on the Uni- U- Utah Independent Business Association front is there's some active um, advocacy campaign- campaigns that are... Health insurance specific and Utah specific um, that we could get involved in, and so that that would be really interesting. Is yeah, kind of killing two birds with one stone, getting to know the membership, developing relationships, and then also affecting potentially some change um, as it relates to all of our clients um, and their health insurance. Cool.
0: Can I if if someone was like, what what would you like lobby for with the Utah state government related to health insurance? Like, what what would you say?
1: Most of my issues are not related to the Utah state government it's mostly federal um yeah. so um, but but like i the one thing that i would love to see the state do is just make it more obvious that people are paying for an agent mm. whether or not they're receiving the value and supporting like there's 200,000 people who buy plus who buy health insurance in the utah marketplace <laughs> probably 100,000 of them are paying for an agent and don't have one and they don't even know that they're paying for something and not getting it I just think <laughs> just making people more aware of that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: So commission transparency would be the the thing I would advocate for.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um all right, so I'm not sure where what I expect you to say about this, but I just wanted to share like a concern on my mind. So we've got our growth has been like roughly stable over the last couple of years, but What's actually happening is some numbers are getting better and some numbers are getting worse and they're roughly canceling each other out. Our number of free trial users has been dropping for the last two to three years. Part of this is definitely because we raised prices. And so you kind of expect when you raise prices, you're going to have fewer customers, but they're going to pay you more. And so it's fine. But it's hard to attribute, is that all of the cause or is there something else going on? At the same time, our churn has gotten better. Our average account size has gotten bigger. A lot of things that kind of make like the unit economics of the business better are improving. So our revenue growth is staying stable. Now there's a story where this is really good and there's a story where this is really bad. If it's like our free trial count is going to level off and then it's going to start growing again, but now we have much better unit economics, that's amazing. If it's no, it's actually just going to keep going down until eventually we plateau, uh, that's terrible. And so this is just kind of like on my mind.
1: Are these rates or units that you're talking about
0: here? Like rates con- or,
1: So you said free trials and churn are both down. I'm just wondering, like, is it free trial to paid conversion rates that are down? Oh, or no, is just, it num- just
0: the total number of users on free trials.
1: Okay. And is that like, if you look at like a conversion rate on top of like traffic or hits to like the key websites that convert, is it like that down too? Or is the conversion rate down
0: also? Um, I should probably do a deeper dive into that. The The trial conversion rate, the, the trial to paid conversion rate is not down. Yeah. So uh,
1: this feels like a, t- like feels good. Like, I, I don't know. Like it feels like this is more of like a marketing, like uh, less of a um, conversion issue, potentially more of like a, oh, we've lost some traffic. Where did that traffic, where do we lose traffic from? And are we continuing to lose traffic from that? Like, and should we be trying to mitigate that loss or... Should we be trying to replace it with new traffic?
0: Yeah, that's always been the part of marketing that I'm worst at is like getting that very, very top of funnel traffic. Like once someone's on the site, I'm not saying we're amazing at it, but like we A-B test the homepage, like our our onboarding flow is pretty decent, our churn's pretty low. All that aspect of marketing we're at least okay at. But the part that I feel most helpless about is like we want more traffic, like qualified traffic, not just like random strangers. Um, And I don't really know how to do that.
1: Well, do you, the question here is more related to like a trend, right? Like existing traffic going down. It would be good to understand like why, like try to understand and you may not be able to, but like why do we think the traffic's going down and is it something that's going to level off or is it something that is like, Oh crap, we need to do something about.
0: Yeah. I don't really have any great ideas on how to do that. Uh, I've like, I've poked around Google analytics and, Not much stands out, but uh, also I'm just bad at this stuff. (laughs) Do you have any sort of cadence
1: around marketing metric reporting? So like the way I would look at this from a management standpoint is typically I would have some sort of dashboard that is updated on a regular basis, maybe it's monthly, and then I could sort of see like what's happening at the highest level. Like, oh yeah, that number is going down. And then, you know, then I would like either do the analysis or have someone do the analysis like help us understand like we need, because this number is going down, we need to start tracking more like metrics related to this. So we can better understand like what's actually going down. You yeah. may not be able to create historical reporting, but you could start like looking at this, the trends on a more like finer detail m- monthly or weekly. And it could give you some insights.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have it like down to the level of like, so if I look at, uh, I, I have like the, Number of users signing up from each different source. And you're seeing I'm doing air quotes on source because what, like, we've got a few we know, like, this person came from this email campaign. This person came from an affiliate referral, a user referral. But 75% of free trial signups are what we call unattributed, just they come to our website and they sign up. Now, I could probably go deeper and be like, what was the first page they hit? I think it's almost all our homepage, but maybe not. So maybe I need to go unpack what that unattributed sources, but that's what's been dropping. Like if I look at the graph, the affiliate referrals are pretty stable. User referrals are pretty stable. It's, it's all, all the other types. There's maybe 10 or 15 total, but the unattributed is going down. Yeah, you should be able to like, of those people that are unattributed, you should be able to like bucket them
1: a little bit more granularly. Like how many do we think we're organic search? How many do we think we're paid search? Even if we don't know the specific keywords, like how many you know, um, came from a referral website, that kind of thing. Are, are yeah. that, is that, is that what you're talking about? Like, can you yeah, get we, that we would level? know
0: paid, we would know paid, paid search. Uh, we have a separate source for, um, this, like what I have right now doesn't differentiate between like, was it an organic search or a, like clicking a link from a different mm-hmm. website? But, um, yeah, I can go check out if I have that data.
1: Usually there's, there's like a, a strong Predo effect where you can, like knock out ninety, eighty to ninety percent of the sources and focus on you know the the ten to twenty percent that that constitute that and you know 90 percent of the benefit and and focus on those and then you just sort start measuring them and you're like, oh that's going down. I didn't realize that. What could yeah. be causing that thing to go down? Oh, well, Alex stopped going to conferences, you know, six months ago and that's probably what it is. It's usually like very generic like gut reactions at least as that's how i've managed it historically um and then it's like okay well maybe we should start doing those things again and see if it has an impact
0: yeah that's fair there's also like a uh a possible story here is that the the traffic we're losing is very low qualified traffic because like i said our revenue isn't really showing signs of this drop so it's only concerning if it's like a trend that continues to get worse and it's real traffic. So maybe I can go figure that out and I'll I'll just be like, Oh, this is actually uh, like, for example, sometimes we run ad campaigns that like 99% of the clicks come from Pakistan and like no offense to Pakistan or whatever, but something's going on here. This is not like how it was supposed to, it's probably some bot network or something like that. And it's like, okay, we can ignore that, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean, at the end of the day, is this something you're losing sleep over right now?
0: No, but it's uh it's the closest thing to what I'm losing sleep. I'm not losing okay. sleep over anything, but this is as close as it gets.
1: I don't know. It feels like if it's if this is like the top of the worry list, it feels like you should be doing something about it. Um yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: <laughs> Hot take. No, yeah, uh, when you say it like that, obviously you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll I'll, I'll have to you to do, but like it feels like it definitely like topic like yeah, you should have
1: the top, that's kind of an interesting, like, little framework. Like, what's the top of the worry list? Like, you should always be doing something about the top of the worry list.
0: <laughs> yeah, if I wanted to get defensive here, I could be like, "Well, I, I do legitimately think the long term solution here is to get product like growth going, and so that, like, I'm, I'm working on product, but that's a bit of a cop out because it's like, just because I believe in product like growth doesn't mean I can't also do other things.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's also this, like, there's two reasons you might worry about it. One is like, there's some uncertainty around like what actually is happening right Mm -hmm. like the truth like getting to the truth and then there's like affecting a change which is another worry it feels like this worry is mostly like because you don't understand it more so than um you know you want to change it
0: yep yep you're right well during my uh non deep work week next week maybe i'll spend some time on this
1: this deserves some deep work man like it's gonna require
0: yeah it's a different type it's (laughs) it's a different type of work I can, I can squeeze this into a couple hours. You're going right to treat this like a task. Yeah. Yeah. or no. Like a, a big, a series of tasks, but <laughs> it's not like super creative work. I don't think yep. do you disagree.
1: I don't know um, enough about what you want to try to do, but like this would, I, I feel like if you don't have, if you need a deep dive deep into your analytics, like you probably need some uninterrupted, like it, it requires me to get in the zone to really wrap my head around some of that stuff. Yeah, maybe you're better fair. at it than
0: me. Well, I have the advantage. I we we have our own kind of internal database with a lot of analytics in it, and I can just query it directly. So uh, I don't necessarily have to find the answers in Google Analytics.
1: Mm, that's nice. But
0: um, all right, my final update before we can move on to other stuff is so, man, uh, I'm I'm jealous of re- fully remote companies these days because we just have to keep going back and forth between opening and closing the office. Oh. Uh, And I actually don't mind like personally going back and forth because it's like, oh, it's like a little, it's like seasons almost like I'll work remotely for a while and then I'll work in the office. But it's obviously pretty hard on some of the employees. Um, So anyway, we closed it with Omicron, the Omicron wave kind of around the beginning of this year and starting to reopen it. But as always, it's just so hard to know, like, should there be safety protocols in place and... I don't know. <laughs> it's a mess. So go remote. Well, did did we talk about this in depth since we made the official decision? I, I like we really did a deep dive on this as a company and That's re reconfirm. Right. You, re-confirmed you, had, you that- have people
1: that want to be in the office, and did you guys decide? Remind me, three days a week is that what it is? Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, just two, uh,
0: Wednesday, Thursday are in, in normal times would be the required days. And yeah, I want to be clear: the I, the reason we're reopening the office at all right now is because like employees demanded it. Basically they mm. were like, "This is untenable working remotely long term." So part of the value of working at less
1: annoying CRM is being in the office with my coworkers. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and I I want to be clear: I'm not saying uh, most companies should do it this way, but there does need to be a play. There are a lot of people out there. I think a pretty significant minority of people that want to be around their coworkers in person. And there need to be companies that provide that. And you can't just say, well, everyone can choose for themselves and the people who want to go into the office can go into the office because then they don't get what they want if they go in and they're the only ones there. Yep. So it's tough. But yeah, right now we're doing the whole like masking in certain parts of the office. But if you don't, like some people don't want to and other people don't like do. And so it's like, whose preferences do you prioritize? So
1: do you think that we're past this? This is the last sort of winter slash spring of covid i
0: I mean I hope so, but I don't have any idea. I don't
1: know. It feels like people are just tired of it and they're just we're like gonna give up on trying to prevent it and we're just gonna deal with like deal with it like we deal with the flu.
0: If every wave from here on out is like omicron, maybe, but there's it's very possible that the next one is the worst one yet and like super deadly and if that happens, mm. I think that people are gonna. I mean, like at, at less annoying, about half the people are like, I don't feel safe going in at all right now. And they want to come in. They like, want to, they're, they're people who like working in person, mm. but they're like, unless everyone is masked all the time, I wouldn't go in. And then other people are like, I don't want to go in masked. So not that they're anti masked or, any, or anything, but they're just like, if I have to wear a mask all fucking day, why don't we just work remotely? Which yeah. I, can, <laughs> I that's how I feel. Like, I'm, I, I don't want to go in there and wear a mask all day. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I don't know if that the conversation made you feel better or anything. Is there like- No, nah,
0: it, it's more th- an update than anything. Just mm. like, what a mess, <laughs> but we can move on.
1: Well, I'm going to talk about some NFTs real quick because yes. I am like getting to the point of like where I, f- I still don't get them and they're just getting bigger and bigger and I feel like I'm an idiot. So am I, can you just level set with me? Is, like, is this something I need to like spend a weekend beating my head against the wall until I understand or is it something I'm never going to get?
0: I, I want to first say, I don't think I fully get them either, but part of that's because I don't think anyone does. I think people get them at a technological level, but are you familiar with the term hollow abstraction that we talked about? This We talked about this on this podcast, on this podcast. Okay.
1: What was, what was the concept again?
0: It's the idea that like a good, uh, like good thought, like the type of thing our listeners want us to say here are abstract thoughts because abstraction can be applied in lots of different scenarios. Rather than just talking about specifics, but so abstraction we think sounds smart. When people talk abstractly, we think they're smart. Hollow abstraction, though, is when you you only talk abstractly, and as soon as you need to drill down into the details, you have nothing to say, or the argument stops making sense, or whatever. And that's what I feel like all this NFT nonsense is is hollow abstraction, where it's they're like, well, okay, but wouldn't it be great if, if you if you bought you know, a digital good it could be transferred to other networks, and it's like, sure, abstractly that's good. Explain how NFTs do that. No answer. Mm. Uh, wouldn't it be great if, like, the corporations, Facebook and Google and Amazon didn't control the data? Okay, how does NFTs? How does Web three do that? <laughs> yeah, how does, how does
1: buying <laughs> an ape? Uh, yeah. do that. I, so, so I don't. I still don't get it. I'm, i I'm trying to hold out on just like not wanting, like, not putting in the effort to get it further. And I think that's a good investment of my time, but like, or not non-investment of my time, I should say, but I'm starting to feel like the crowd, like what is it? herd mentality of, I need to go be involved in this. And I, I'm getting tired. Like it's this irrational, like feeling I need to, I need to get involved.
0: I took an approach. This was several months ago, but where I was like. I should I should understand how it works. Even though I'm I'm going to be a hater. I can already tell this is a bunch of like MLM pyramid scheme bullshit, but I should at least understand it. And every earnest effort I made to like just it it twisted me in circles and didn't lead anywhere. I'd like be talking to people on Twitter and again all these hollow abstract people just join the discords and just dive deeper and I'm like, "No, tell me, like t- explain just what the point of it is, what's the value prop? And they're like, well, you really get it once you join the Discords. And I'm like, if you can't say it publicly, if I have to join a Discord to, to get the answer to this, because cause, cause we've we both we're old enough. We've both lived through a handful of like technical technological revolutions, right? Starting with we were both like high school age when the initial dot com thing happened. Yeah. Nobody was struggling to explain why it was exciting. You order pet food and it comes to your door and you can get live sports updates without having to check the newspaper the next morning. It's like yeah, easy but, to say. But,
1: but like you saw like our parents struggle to adopt these things and 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 it's like, am I being one of those people? Like, yeah. am I missing out here? Like, and, and is it going to affect me in 20 years? Am I going to look back here in 20 years at this moment and go, Tyler is an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> we should have been like first you for early adopters. We've been early adopters. Like you're on the more early adopter than me but anything that you early adopt like when we were living together I would be like jump on the bandwagon like go show me this mm-hmm. new phone go show me this new tool and now it's like I feel like I just not work I, I don't have the interest to go into play with this new tool and
0: yeah uh, and, and I, I I've had that same concern that like FOMO like what mm-hmm. if what if this is us just getting it wrong but counterpoint there like some of the big things that are happening right now like asynchronous video we're both well ahead of the curve on no code you you especially are well ahead of the curve on those i think they're not as exciting they're not like promising to be the new internet but i think they they could actually be pretty big you had vr long before anyone else i knew it's not that we're not willing to adopt new technology it's that this one particular part of it just doesn't make any sense
1: yeah i, I like just started clicking around and uh, just to play with things to see if it was like trying to talking about minting things. And I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Like, do you understand the minting process?
0: Uh, abstractly. It's I have so a hollow abstraction of mint. Yeah. And there's gas fees. And yeah, I, I know I, I read, I read some technical <laughs> things about like what smart contracts are. Like I looked through some code that you would write, I couldn't do it myself, but I at least looked enough that I'm like, I think I kind of have basic concepts here. There's some
1: really smart people like supporting this. And it's just like, I maybe I'm missing something. I'm, I i do not know. I'll probably for bring this worth, up again in a month and yeah. just have the same exact conversation.
0: There's some really smart people that are also very, very against it too, for what it's yeah. worth. Yeah. Um, so speaking of which, this might segue nicely. I, I just want to give a shout out. Um, do, do you know Kelsey Hightower? Uh, if you open this thing in the notion document there's a link to his tweet. Oh, I've I've seen you m- mention this guy before. Yeah, he's he's uh, if you want to both learn about web3 and also hate it, which is where I am, uh, he's a good person to follow cuz he he understands it very deeply, talks about it intelligently but also he was more open-minded a couple months ago if you followed him but now he's kind of made up his mind and he's like this whole thing's a scam. Um But he had a tweet that I really liked that I want to call out, which is building something new is a form of criticism. Um, And this is addressing one of the things that's so frustrating about the whole Web3 NFT scene is anytime anyone criticizes it, rather than like actually getting in an honest discussion about it, people are just like, this is so negative. Like, just mind your own fucking business. If it's (laughs) it's not for you, it's not for you. Uh, As if like criticism is intrinsically... Like, it's it's the the bad people criticize and the good people support, which is like such an MLM approach to take, right? But what he's pointing out here is like, every time you create something new, you're criticizing the old thing. Like, progress doesn't happen without criticism. Um, and I like that. I just think there's too much—this po- is going to sound bizarre—I think there's too much positivity in the tech world right now. mm like, I'm general. a negative I'm a negative person and like, yeah, like I, I'm in this Twitter sphere with a lot of people I like and respect and all that. But sometimes I'm like, you're all being a little too polite when something's stupid. Call it stupid. Come on. <laughs>
1: Is that an opportunity, you think?
0: I don't know. I hadn't thought of it that way. Do you, do you have something uh, in mind?
1: Well, um, I don't know. I took I kind of went a different direction. I went away from NFTs and I went to start thinking about the market bubbles um Mm. and you know i saw a stat the other day that um that consumer debt is the highest it's ever been since 2007 you remember (laughs) 2007 oh yeah what happened (laughs) the year after 2007 um also like there's been uh more layoffs announced peloton last week several utah companies this week purple mattress um by the way, just did oh, layoffs. really? Yeah. Oh, I love um, my purple. Homie, homie <laughs> did layoffs. Um, I could understand sort of the real estate with interest rates going up. Like, there's a lot of real estate-minded um, companies, which Homie is one of those. But Purple surprised me. I guess it's a consumer good. So, if you know, consumer debt is getting more expensive, then I guess you'd maybe wouldn't buy an expensive mattress. But um, anyway, it's like it. Fe- it does kind of feel like we've been riding this wave of, you know, everything's going to be great. Um, yeah. Everything's going to work out. Uh, and you, know, maybe that's coming to an end.
0: i am I'm like well past the point of trying to predict downturns. Cause like, I thought for sure it was coming in like 2016 or whenever. And I was obviously, I didn't like, I know better than to invest my money. According. I didn't like pull out of the market or anything, but I was like, if I were a betting man now and I was totally wrong many times, but yeah, I agree. There's lots of signs of it. And did you watch the Super Bowl last night? Uh, pieces very, very little bit. I did not, but every everything I fall on Twitter is just like these commercials were just like the you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand Super Bowl commercials where it's all these dot com stocks that a year later were out of business and the all apparently all these crypto companies advertising this year. Yeah, it's hard to feel bullish, but I just keep my money in index funds, and it'll go down at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said is it an opportunity? Like I'm not I'm not the type of person to to get wins by financial engineering like I'm just going to keep building stuff and that that works in the long term I think well, but
1: I don't know like I felt like um w- when 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 the going gets tough the tough get going it, it's like if you're able to survive the downturn mm. and you know you're kind of in a good position then there's a lot of opportunity and you know being pra- pra- pragmatic
0: yeah you know. that's absolutely true yeah and especially if there were a downturn, sorry to keep talking about Web3 here, but if you believe it's not a total scam, what will likely happen if there's a downturn is almost all those companies will fail, and then a couple will survive. And like if you look at that's how Amazon and Google came out of the dot-com boom, that's sort of Facebook-ish out of the Great Recession. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it consolidates behind the winners when mm-hmm. everyone's struggling like that. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that information, though. <laughs> cool. Well,
1: um, I'm going to be more critical t- this week.
0: Thank you. Yeah, you're we welcome. should all be a little. <laughs> no,
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, people don't like. I I have. I used to be very critical, much more critical than I am now. But like, is there a way to be advice from you? Is there a way to be critical without being an ass? Uh,
0: probably yes and no. Like so- sometimes I'm like on Twitter, people are like th- th- they're nice, so they don't tell me directly that I'm being an asshole, but I can tell they think that. And it's like, to some extent, like, okay, our personalities aren't compatible. Um, I, I think there's a difference between being rude and being critical, though. Mm. Like, I'm not, first of all, punch up, I think, is a big part of it. I'm not talking shit about people with less power than me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People don't like negativity. I get why. But also, a, a an overly positive world is just lying to itself. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um. I have one more thing, like smaller thing, but is there like kind of a bigger topic you want to talk about today?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to address um, Andy Cloak uh, when we announced that the podcast was uh, coming back. Um, one of the questions that he threw out um, that he'd like us to address on the podcast was how I'm balancing being full time with like being full time uh, at a at a at Windfall um, with continuing to uh, make progress at Legapath. Um, and so I thought I thought I could take a minute to address that if that's okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I'm probably unique in this regard in that it's really simple. Like windfall takes priority um one hundred percent. and uh, if I think if if like if someone from windfall needs me, like it means leg up health's not getting me. It's just like black and white. like there's no if ands or buts about that. Um, now, the way I've set up leg up health i've created I've spent a lot of time creating clarity and providing um, sort of a, 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 an environment for JD, who I brought on, to, to make progress without me. And that yeah. took a lot of engineering up front for me to be able to do that.
0: So it's worth pointing out here, I do think you're in a different situation from like the average kind of indie hacker that has a day job, in that you're not like a software engineer for some big tech company. You are a high ranking executive at a like really demanding high growth startup Um, where I I do think there are a lot of jobs out there where you can be like, yeah, I'll, I'll put my 40 hours a week in, but maybe this, even if I'm putting fewer hours into the side hustle, it's maybe more important. Mm -hmm. You did not take that job. And there, I think there are pros and cons to doing it the way you're doing it probably.
1: Yeah. um, Pros, um, you know, Compensation's good, um, which allows me to funnel to fund um, another person working on Up Health, um, or at least like support them financially. Um, the The other factor here is a lot of um, the learnings are transferable um, to mm-hmm. you know future opportunities at Up Health. So it's like it, you can draw connections, and um, it feels like it's not like one off stuff. Uh, cons are um yeah some weeks like you know if you think about like what why you do startups like the point of doing the startup is to do the startup like, the experience <laughs> of doing the startup like i'm missing out on that like um i'm missing out on my startup journey uh in favor of someone else's um and that's you know that's the hardest part like but i but i'm doing it i'm missing out on the short term opportunity for a longer term opportunity that i value more
0: yeah, the, I think a parallel we can draw is like uh, that maybe more people can relate to is, you know, working a job you don't love so that you can save up for retirement or, you know, it, it's it's that type of sacrifice, but but the risk is life passes you by, right? That you took mm. so long doing doing the thing you didn't want to do that you missed the chance to really do the thing you did. And I'm I'm not worried about that happening with you, but I think that's like with a lot of people, you're what we're 36 you're, you're 37 whatever like you you take the job and then 10 years later you're like okay well i don't really like it's it's too late for that that idea i was going after
1: yeah and i think that's the key with this approach with the good thing that, that i think anyone is, is that's doing full-time and trying to balance a startup on the side is they're they're saying i'm going to do it um and i'm not going to wait but there is this sort of um caveat, which is it's going to take longer and it's not going to be as fast and it's not going to be all of, it's all of me as it could be. Um, yeah. and so it requires a, an amount of patience on my part that, um, I have to constantly like remind myself, like, oh, this is the, there are long-term benefits of this approach that you'll experience later. Um, just like you shouldn't eat, you know, you know, just like when you, when you don't eat ice cream for a day, it's painful. Like, you know, I, you know, a good, you know, but that's long-term that's good for my health.
0: I, I don't know how intentional this was on your part or how much you even thought about it, but it, it is kind of like a fascinating model for like a startup class company. You hear a lot of people who work their day job while building the thing on the side, but not hiring someone. You, you hear people who work a high income job, save up a lot of money and then quit so that they can start their thing with a good cash cushion. I really have not heard of very many people doing what you're doing, where you're effectively your own venture capitalist working this other job to fund your current company like while you're working the other you're not saving up a bunch of money so you can quit later i mean you, you, i know that like long term the idea is to be at like a healthful time but like do, have you heard of anyone doing this before
1: no but i mean it's a good way to think of it it is like it's the holding company model um and the source of funding is instead of an SBA loan or you know raising capital from investors it's um or savings it's a uh, cash flow from another job um the the I think the yeah the, the way I would categorize my approach is get a business to like a repeatable model um, where you've got like okay this is real like this is this makes money customers are retain like have a lifetime that we can like count on um, the product is there uh, we just need someone this if I focused on this it would grow like I got it to there and then I said okay like someone else can help me with this and you know moved on. And it's interesting to think like long-term is if you start getting this could snowball, you know, if, if you kind of repeat, rinse and repeat this across multiple ventures within the leg up ventures portfolio, mm-hmm. like 30 years down the road, like once leg up helps Sharing cash, reinvesting that cash into another venture, you know, and, and kind of doing the same thing. That's a really interesting thing. I haven't really thought of, but could work.
0: Yeah. It fits you, I think. Cause you're, you're more of like a manager delegator business person type i think the typical if you go on like indiehackers.com and look it's like a programmer that just wants to write code all day so probably like they'd be trading one job they don't like for another job they don't (laughs) like
1: yeah Yeah, and i the, the interesting thing about me is i really like i really like the um the creation part of getting something from nothing to repeatable i really enjoyed that and then i also really like the scaling part i don't like the stuff in between i like what JD's having to do right now, I'm not, I, I would enjoy doing it, but it's not nearly as fun as like the f- part before for yeah. me.
0: I'm curious, just, uh, I don't know if this is what Andy had in mind with the question, but like, I bet it's relevant to some people. Like, imagine you are that programmer type and you could work, you could make 300,000 a year from Google or whatever, and like take a hundred thousand of that and hire someone. But it means you're fully committed to your full, your, your day job. Mm-hmm. Do you think that model is something more people like, let's say you're a programmer and what you need to hire is a different programmer or something is, is this worth considering for people? Yes. But I,
1: I want to reemphasize like how much effort it takes like to engineer. Yeah. You have not, to get it
0: started. You have to get the base first. It's
1: not just, it's not just the base though. It's like engineering the clarity mm. like that provides someone a, the space and the, you know, the guidelines to be successful. Because they're not an entrepreneur they're you know, or maybe they are, but they, you know, they're not, it's not their baby. They're starting from, they can't start from zero and rebuild the business. So there's a lot of like, I don't want to call it documentation because that makes it sound cheesy, but like less valuable than it is, but it's like creating the, the vision, the strategy, um, and tr transferring that, um, to the individual so that they can be successful operating within your vision. That is hard. Yeah.
0: I but think, you think you think it's a way at least it's not like you're some unique snowflake that uh, other people, cause there are a lot of people out there who have the ability to make a lot of money working some random tech job. And it's at least worth considering that as a way to fund a startup. A
1: hundred percent. So I would just say that like, if you're going to go that route, just you need to be willing up front before you get sucked into that job um, to think through a couple of years of like how you want the business to run and and be very clear about what success is for anyone you hire. Otherwise you're going to feel the need to micromanage or they're just going to, they're going to go off on a direction that makes you worry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely interesting. I, uh, maybe there, maybe no one else, at least that I know of is doing it because it, it is unique to you and maybe just not enough people are Well, you know, I'm actually it.
1: thinking of a buddy who, who sort of done this and I, you know, I'll, I'll mention him. His name's Chase Murdoch. He's, a, he's on, he's on Twitter. He's taking the holding co- company route. Um, his, his firm is called T- Dakota group and his, it, it, started with him opening up a, um, a suit shop in, uh, in downtown Salt Lake called Taylor cooperative. He, he, he started with Taylor cooperative and then now he's kind of built a holding company and, um, He's purchased three or four other local businesses, all small businesses, all funded through his own capital and, and uh, supplemental SBA loans. Um, but he's been working a full-time sales job while he did that.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay. yeah. I mean, yeah, like as we talk about it, this, you know, different way this happened at Less Annoying CRM, which is I was working for you 20 hours a week, mm-hmm. grew Less Annoying CRM to the point where I could have gone full-time and instead I hired someone else. So uh, it's different in that I was... My main job was lessening CRM and working for you is like a part time thing, but it's the same in that I hired someone else before buying my own time back to go totally full time on it, yep, yep, exactly, yeah i we probably didn't address what Andy was even asking about there, but like <laughs> how do I balance my time? It's like I've created a
1: situation in which i there is no balance, like it is windfall, yeah, like nine like hundred percent. Unless I have like, and then leg up health. Sometimes I get to work on, on the weekends. If I have a free weekend, like,
0: and I think that's in a way good. Cause I'll say like, it I felt guilty because like when I worked for you and was doing my own thing, I obviously my own thing was my priority. And sometimes I probably was like letting you down in some ways. Not like, I mean, I was doing my job, but like I could have done it better if it had been my main priority. Um, I don't know if you perceived that I, I or think not. in
1: the situation that we had, it was okay for that to happen. It was a si- side project. I think it's all situational, right? Yeah. Like this, I could not do my job at windfall any other way. Like, yeah. and it would just rub everyone the wrong way if I was doing it any other way.
0: Yeah. I guess it's just, it's good to have that, uh, understanding with whoever the the day job employer is with Like I would, I wouldn't want to do it if like, it's a secret that you're doing the side project Mm. or you don't feel like you can talk about it or something like that. Uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: Clear expectations around how you're balancing your time. Absolutely.
0: All right. Um, anything else on your mind today or should we call it?
1: No, you got anything else? Nope. Cool. Well, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit start See you next week. Bye.